This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. What does it look like to help children process sadness, anger, and unanswered prayer when encountering the death of a loved one? Keep listening to learn more about Lacey Finn Borgo's new children's book, All Will Be Well. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Presented by Innervar City Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, Jeremiah chapter 38. Jeremiah is charged with treason and put in a cistern to die. Now Shephatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pashur, Jekyll, son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, son of Melchijah had heard the things that Jeremiah had been telling the people. They heard him say, The Lord says, Those who stay in this city will die in battle or of starvation or disease. Those who leave the city and surrender to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They had also heard him say, The Lord says, This city will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon. They will capture it. So these officials said to the king, This man must be put to death for he is demoralizing the soldiers who are left in the city as well as all the other people there by these things he is saying. This man is not seeking to help these people, but is trying to harm them. King Zedekiah said to them, Very well, you can do what you want with him, for I cannot do anything to stop you. So the officials took Jeremiah and put him in the cistern of Melchijah, one of the royal princes that was in the courtyard of the guardhouse. There was no water in the cistern, only mud. So when they lowered Jeremiah into the cistern with ropes, he sank in the mud. An Ethiopian official rescues Jeremiah from the cistern. An Ethiopian, Ebed-Melech, a court official in the royal palace, heard that Jeremiah had been put in the cistern. While the king was holding court at the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech departed the palace and went to speak to the king. He said to him, Your royal majesty, Those men have been very wicked in all that they have done to the prophet Jeremiah. They have thrown him into a cistern, and he is sure to die of starvation there, because there is no food left in the city. Then the king gave Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, the following order. Take thirty men with you from here, and go pull the prophet Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him, and went to a room 
under the treasure room in the palace. He got some worn-out clothes and old rags from there and let them down by ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech called down to Jeremiah, Put these rags and worn-out clothes under your armpits to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did as Ebed-Melech instructed. So they pulled Jeremiah up from the cistern with ropes. Jeremiah, however, still remained confined to the courtyard of the guardhouse. Jeremiah responds to Zedekiah's request for secret advice. Sometime later, Zedekiah sent and had Jeremiah brought to him at the third entrance of the Lord's temple. The king said to Jeremiah, I would like to ask you a question. Do not hide anything from me when you answer. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I answer you, you will certainly kill me. If I give you advice, you will not listen to me. So King Zedekiah made a secret promise to Jeremiah and sealed it with an oath. He promised, As surely as the Lord lives, who has given us life and breath, I promise you this, I will not kill you or hand you over to those men who want to kill you. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, The Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, You must surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon. If you do, your life will be spared, and the city will not be burned down. Indeed, you and your whole family will be spared. But if you do not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be handed over to the Babylonians, and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from them. Then King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Babylonians. The Babylonians might hand me over to them and they will torture me. Then Jeremiah answered, You will not be handed over to them. Please obey the Lord by doing what I have been telling you. Then all will go well with you and your life will be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, the Lord has shown me a vision of what will happen. Here is what I saw. All the women who are left in the royal palace of Judah will be led out to the officers of the king of Babylon. They will taunt you, saying, Your trusted friends misled you. They have gotten the best of you. Now that your feet are stuck in the mud, they have turned their backs on you. All your wives and your children will be turned over to the Babylonians. You yourself will not escape from them, but will be captured by the king of Babylon. This city will be burned down. Then Zedekiah told Jeremiah, Do not let anyone know about the conversation we have had. If you do, you will die. The officials may hear that I have talked with you. They may come to you and say, Tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Do not hide anything from us. If you do, we will kill you. If they do this, tell them, I was pleading with the king not to send me back to die in the dungeon of Jonathan's house. All the officials did indeed come and question Jeremiah. He told them exactly what the king had instructed him to say. They stopped questioning him any further because no one had actually heard their conversation. So Jeremiah remained confined in the courtyard of the guardhouse until the day Jerusalem was captured. The Fall of Jerusalem and its Aftermath The following events occurred when Jerusalem was captured. Ezekiel chapter 1 A Vision of God's Glory in the thirtieth year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was among the exiles at the Kibar River, the heavens opened and I saw a divine vision. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile. The Lord's message came to the priest Ezekiel, the son of Buzai, at the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. The hand of the Lord came on him there. As I watched, I noticed a windstorm coming from the north. 
an enormous cloud, with lightning flashing, such that bright light rimmed it and came from it like glowing amber from the middle of a fire. In the fire were what looked like four living beings. In their appearance, they had human form, but each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, but the soles of their feet were like calves' feet. They gleamed like polished bronze. They had human hands under their wings on their four sides. As for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched each other. They did not turn as they moved, but went straight ahead. Their faces had this appearance. Each of the four had the face of a man, with the face of a lion on the right, the face of an ox on the left, and also the face of an eagle. Their wings were spread out above them. Each had two wings touching the wings of one of the other beings on either side and two wings covering their bodies. Each moved straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. In the middle of the living beings was something like burning coals of fire or like torches. It moved back and forth among the living beings. It was bright, and lightning was flashing out of the fire. The living beings moved backwards and forward as quickly as flashes of lightning. Then I looked, and I saw one wheel on the ground beside each of the four beings. The appearance of the wheels and their construction was like gleaming jasper, and all four wheels looked alike. Their structure was like a wheel within a wheel. When they moved, they would go in any of the four directions they faced without turning as they moved. Their rims were high and awesome, and the rims of all four wheels were full of eyes all around. When the living beings moved, the wheels beside them moved. When the living beings rose up from the ground, the wheels rose up too. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise up beside them, because the spirit of the living being was in the wheel. When the living beings moved, the wheels moved, and when they stopped moving, the wheels stopped. When they rose up from the ground, the wheels rose up from the ground. The wheels rose up beside them because the spirit of the living being was in the wheel. Over the heads of the living beings was something like a platform, glittering awesomely, like ice, stretched out over their heads. Under the platform, their wings were stretched out, each toward the other. Each of the beings also had two wings covering its body. When they moved, I heard the sound of their wings. It was like the sound of rushing waters, or the voice of the Sovereign One, or the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there was a voice from above the platform, over their heads, when they stood still. Above the platform, over their heads, was something like a sapphire shaped like a throne. High above on the throne was a form that appeared to be a man. I saw an amber glow like a fire enclosed all around from his waist up. From his waist down, I saw something that looked like fire. There was a brilliant light around it, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds after the rain. This was the appearance of the surrounding brilliant light. It looked like the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I threw myself face down and I heard a voice speaking. New Testament reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 through chapter 12, verse 10. Paul's sufferings for Christ. I say again, let no one think I am a fool, but if you do, then at least accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I do not say the way the Lord would. Instead, it is, as it were, foolish. Since many are boasting according to human standards, 
I too will boast. For since you are so wise, you put up with fools gladly. For you put up with it if someone makes slaves of you, if someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone behaves arrogantly towards you, if someone strikes you in the face. To my disgrace, I must say that we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking foolishly. I also dare to boast about the same thing. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am talking like I am out of my mind. I am even more so, with much greater labors, with far more imprisonments, with more severe beatings, facing death many times. Five times I received from the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I received a stoning. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I spent adrift in the open sea. I've been on journeys many times, in dangers from rivers, in dangers from robbers, in dangers from my own countrymen, in dangers from Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers at sea, in dangers from false brothers, in hard work and toil, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, many times without food, in cold and without enough clothing. Apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of anxious concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to arrest me. But I was let down in a rope basket through a window in the city wall and escaped his hands. Chapter 12 Paul's Thorn in the Flesh It is necessary to go on boasting. Though it is not profitable, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up in the third heaven. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things too sacred to put into words, things that a person is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such an individual, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except about my weaknesses. For even if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I would be telling the truth, but I refrain from this so that no one may regard me beyond what he sees in me, or what he hears from me, even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations. Therefore, so that I would not become arrogant, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to trouble me, so that I would not become arrogant. I asked the Lord three times about this, that it would depart from me. But he said to me, My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then I will boast most gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word.
let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and holy and righteous God, the God who rescues us, the God who redeems us, the God who holds us close and the God who encourages our weary and weak hearts, O Lord, we bless your name today. Thank you, O Lord, for the ways in which you have reminded us through your holy word today that you rescue your prophets, you rescue your people, O God. Even when they carry within them a weighty message, a deep burden, O God, you rescue them. You ensure that whatever purposes that you have for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be accomplished. And so, O God, this causes us to entrust ourselves more and more to you, knowing that what you have planned for us in Christ will come to pass. What you have for us is indeed yes and amen. And just like you rescued Jeremiah, O God, you are rescuing your people today. You are pulling us out from the muck and the mire. You are pulling us from the muck and mire of confusion, of sin and besetting sins. You are pulling us and setting us free, O God. And we thank you for this great rescue, for our God is indeed a deliverer. Thank you, O God, for delivering us. Thank you, O God, for continuing to rescue us. God, we are mindful that even though we are your servants, O Lord, we are to boast in you. We recognize that only what we do for you will last. We recognize, O God, today that in all the gifts that you have given to us, all the opportunities that you have afforded us, O God, we know that you are the one who gets all the glory and all the praise. Help us, O God, to demonstrate that type of soberness, that type of gratitude, O Lord. We thank you, O God, for this very day that you have given to us with new mercies and the mercies that you have placed inside of us, O God. Would we be found faithful when you call upon us to do your will, to walk in your ways, to share and proclaim your word, to be still and know that you are God, to forgive and love our enemies? Would we be found faithful in you, O God? Pour out your spirit and make it so. And God, we recognize that we are a people that is very much in process. You have justified us. You indeed are sanctifying us, and one day you will glorify us. But in the meantime, we know that on this side of glory, we experience suffering. We wrestle with principalities, and we deal with the buffeting of our very flesh, our own sin. We empathize in many ways with our older brother in the faith, the Apostle Paul, with this thorn that is still in his side, that was in his side, that he references, O oh God, in Second Corinthians. We reflect on this reality for him, and it reminds us, O oh God, that we are a people still in process. We have our own thorns in our side. We have our own besetting sins. We have our own pain and frustration. We have our own grieves that, grief that does not seem to quit, O oh God. We have our own insecurities. But yet, O oh God, you show yourself strong and mighty in our weaknesses. Our weaknesses, our infirmities, our besetting sins don't trip up your agenda. Your will will be done. And we thank you for this, O oh God. We thank you that you are using people with besetting sins and thorns in their flesh and confusion in their mind and depression that is hard to 
to shake and anxiety that feels overwhelming. And yet you're not intimidated by our weaknesses. You get yourself glory through our weaknesses. You grow us up in the faith and you keep us and sustain us even in the midst of these things that we wrestle with and struggle against, oh God. We ask, oh God, that if it be your will, as the Apostle Paul prayed, as the Lord Jesus Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be your will, remove this thorn, remove this cup, O God, but nevertheless, your will be done and not ours. And as we walk this life, as we move through this journey, be with us. Be with us, O God, whether you cause the cup to pass, the thorn to be removed or not, be with us in the midst of it all, reminding us that we are indeed your children, that you do indeed love us, You have made promises to keep us and to never forsake us. And you will work beauty from our ashes. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Lacey Finn Borgo's new book, All Will Be Well, tells the story of Julian, a little girl who is very sad and very angry that her grandmother, Mima, is sick. Julian wonders if God can hear her prayers or if God cares. So Mima explains to Julian that God loves us and that God can be trusted, even when we are sad or angry. This gentle story of a grandmother's love for her granddaughter incorporates the timeless wisdom of Julian of Norwich. Because of God's great love for us, all will be well. This book tackles the sensitive subjects of death and grief in a way that can be understood by children when adults read thoughtfully with them. And as a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's promo code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivpress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag TruthsTable. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. Yeah.